Good morning. We are going to try to step out to the side here. Some of you have never seen me step out from behind the pulpit. Uh, if you were here during the pandemic, you remember I did this a little bit to stand over here. We're going to make sure this thing, is this thing on Travis? There we go. Make sure that uh, it works, but uh, sometimes I like to uh, make sure that you're awake and paying attention. If you remember a couple of months ago, I preached a Sunday afternoon from the floor, so I said I could step out and get anybody if they were falling asleep. Uh, also, some of you have noticed, yes, the lights are off up here. That's not so that you can sleep or get, have a little, uh, be a little closer to a nap, but we are still trying things with our live stream and the sound and the lights and things like that. So uh, we were trying that this morning to see how it looked, but uh, uh, that's not the purpose for those being off. I did also want to mention before we get started this morning um, that we are thankful for your prayers on behalf of, of Freddie as he will recover from his fall. But it just gives me a moment to remind you of just how dangerous it is to be a preacher sometimes, right? You think that preachers got it easy they're never in any kind of danger but you never know when a baptism you know slips up and goes wrong there uh, but many of you have asked some of you asked he did the baptism was over finished before he fell so that was good uh, but he just slipped we don't know if water was involved or not but slipped uh, of course the setup is similar to ours with stairs and things and so it, he had fallen and, and really injured himself um, but it is pretty dangerous sometimes to be a preacher. I think the closest I've come before to being injured was trying to keep up with Sandra Grove at some of our community giveaways. Uh, if you've ever tried to work with Sandra around those kinds of things, it's very uh, difficult. The second probably is trying to keep up with Tom Levi during a men's work day. If you've ever tried to do those things, Tom will work you and you come pretty close to injury. But, uh, but no, we're thankful for, um, uh, for your prayers on his behalf and hope that things will, will continue to improve for him uh, as he recovers from that. You know, a lot of times when you see a picture like this about back to school, you think about uh, the fall. A lot of times our kids think about the idea of being, um, you know, away for the summer and coming back and beginning the school again as the fall starts. At the same time, though, as many of our kids know and you parents, uh, they've just gone back to school. Several have over the last few days. We've got college students that I think that will be, begin again here soon this week. Some will be traveling, but we'll start back with school time. And so it's back to school again. I want to ask you a question this morning as we begin. If you've ever found yourself in a situation before where you were sitting in class and maybe it was a new class, this may be more of a college thing sometimes, but I think it can happen in any kind of class, but you showed up in class and you sit down and the teacher says something that you have no idea what they're talking about. But you look around and everyone else seems to know exactly what they're saying, right? Whether it's a science class or something or math class of some, some sort, and you sit down and the teacher says, well, for the first day, since we all understand quantum physics, we're just going to kind of skip that part. And you look to your right and somebody's sitting there and they're nodding their head and you look to your left and somebody's going, yes, absolutely. And you're sitting there going, I have no idea what's coming next. I don't know if that's a real anxiety or fear of mine. I think I've been there a time or two before where, yes, you feel like you don't want to raise your hand, right, because everybody's going to think, well, why doesn't he know what's going on here? You know, we all understand whatever it is. Why is it that this person is so far behind? Let me ask you this morning as we begin the Bible lesson this morning, have you ever been in a Bible class and had that feeling before? Maybe the preacher says something or the teacher says something and you look around and everyone else is nodding or they mention the name of Abraham and everyone is turning to some place in their Bible and you don't have any idea where they're going. And you're not going to raise your hand and say, excuse me, preacher, who is that? Or what is it that you're talking about? Because I don't know. Because it's a little embarrassing sometimes to maybe think that we don't know something or that we're a little behind, further behind than everyone else. It certainly happens sometimes in school, a school setting like that, a training kind of setting, 
But I, I think it can happen sometimes even in Bible class. So we're going to start this morning with your favorite thing ever, and that is a pop quiz, right? I got a pop quiz for you. There's only five questions, and I don't think as you look at the first question that I'm going to throw you off that bad, all right? And nobody has to answer out loud, uh, but you can kind of think to your head. And again, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, as that kind of is what we're talking about. But what is the first book of the Bible? Is it Ephesians, Genesis, Ruth, or Revelation? Well, most people know, even if they don't attend services every day or didn't grow up going to Bible class, that Genesis is certainly the first book of the Bible. Number two. What animal tempted Eve in the garden? Was it an ox, a cow, a serpent, or a dove? I told you it wasn't going to be too hard. We're not, we're not trying to, to embarrass or hurt anyone this morning. It wasn't going to be too difficult. But if you've ever heard that story, and once again, you don't have to have been going to Bible class from the time that you could walk to know that the story involves a serpent, right? In Exodus, to whom did God reveal the commandments, or as we usually call them, the Ten Commandments. Was it Isaiah? Was it Moses? Was it Jeremiah? Or was it Daniel? Somebody might say, well, I've heard all those names before, but maybe I'm not sure. Or some people will say, well, you know, I've seen the movie, right? And so I know exactly what's going on here. But we know that Moses is the one who received those commandments from God. What was or is, however you want to phrase it, the name of Abraham's wife? Is it Sarah? Was it Rahab? Was it Hagar? Or was it Mary? Again, just a few moments ago in our young adult college class, we studied James. In James chapter 2, as James is talking about faith, he mentions Rahab. Rahab's mentioned in the New Testament. Of course, a lot of folks know and understand Mary, but Abraham's wife was Sarah. And if you are looking at this and you maybe have studied this recently, you know that sometimes you'll find an I in your Bible, right? It's kind of the idea of Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, so it may look a little different. But of course, Sarah was Abraham's wife. Now, I couldn't let you off too easy. We're going to find one that maybe some folks don't know. And again, you don't have to speak out loud one way or the other. But who was the first king of Israel? Was it David? Was it Solomon? Was it Samuel? Or was it Saul? Who was the first king of Israel as we look back at Old Testament history? Well, you again know those names. There's some kings on there. But it was Saul that's mentioned as the first king of Israel. What we're doing this morning is beginning a series that really came from a Facebook post. And I know most of you won't be able to make that out, but our, some of you know our brother Jack Wilkie. We studied his book, Church Reset, not too long ago here in the auditorium. But he posted something the 1st of December that said he got an email this week that was a great idea for a book. So really what I'm just trying to do is beat him to the punch and have this sermon series before his book comes out. But he says, if you're a Christian now, but did not grow up around the Bible and didn't get a Sunday school education or things like that, and would be willing to help us out by answering a few questions, please comment below or message me. And this is still up, and of course it deals with his work at Focus Press. But there were about 30 comments as of a few days ago, and they looked something like this. One person commented and said, I would love to help out. I became a Christian and was introduced to the Bible for the first time at 19 years old. Someone else said, I didn't grow up in the church, but have been a Christian for 12 years now, and I think that that would help people like me immensely. And then the one that kind of stuck out, stuck out, someone said, my husband used to joke that when he became a Christian at 33, he needed to go to the junior high class because people kept talking about David 
Daniel, Moses, and Abraham, and he only had a vague sense of who they were. Now, if we heard someone say that, or again, go back to the class setting, and someone raises their hand and says, who, who is Moses? Most of us would gasp, right, and say, who is this person that doesn't understand who Moses is? But that's exactly the way that this man felt, and I'm going to not ask you to raise your hand, but to think for a minute, there's a good chance that maybe you have felt this way before. You say, well, I know who David is. That's not a question in my mind, but maybe there was someone else or some other situation that you were unsure about. I don't know if I've said it publicly before from the pulpit or teaching, but I know I've said it to some of you privately, but I, I'll always remember that Growing up, I'm aware of the Old Testament. I was aware, and I was what we would call raised in the church, going to Bible study all my life. And I'm aware that there were kings. I know who David is. But you, if you had asked me to sketch out Old Testament history, even getting to Freed Hardeman in some of the classes I took there, until I sat down and studied more diligently and really worked to commit that to my memory, I, I couldn't have done it either. Because yes, I know King Saul, and I know David, and I've heard about Abraham, and I know Abraham's in Genesis, but I really don't know much outside of that when it comes to the history of the children of Israel. So we're, we probably all felt like this in some way. So what we're going to do is begin a series that I've entitled Sunday School Catch-Up. And it's not meant to embarrass anybody, and as we said, we're not going to ask you to raise your hand or, or take a poll and remember which stories you've missed or don't know anything about. What my plans are, and I've kind of gone back and forth about it, but I think what my plans are is that we'll begin today, but we'll probably take one a month or something like that. I've got a few other series I'd like for us to talk about in the near future and things like that, but I've got some friends that sometimes they'll pick a theme or a series and they'll just do 12. They'll do one every month. And we may scrunch them a little close together, we'll see. But I've not even identified every single story, I think, or, or person I'd like for us to consider. But I hope that it would be encouraging to you to think about this idea uh, of catching up on some things that maybe you've not thought about in a long time or you're unsure about. And, and also, the whole point is to understand that we don't have to be embarrassed about it because all we've really got to do is, is dig in a little bit more. The question then comes up, of course, though, is, is why? Why would we spend time talking about this? Why would we, we spend the Sunday morning sermon focusing on some of these things? But I think it's true that it's very easy sometimes. And most of you know, I love to preach the Old Testament. If I ask Hannah sometimes and say, well, what do you think I should preach, you know, coming up? Or you got anything you think I should talk about? She'll say, I love when you talk about the Old Testament, whatever it might be. And so there's some encouraging things there for us. But as we move into the rest of this lesson this morning, we're not going to talk about one thing in particular. I'd considered go ahead and going through the days of creation. How many of us could name and talk about what happens on each day of creation? I have a feeling these kids may be able to. I have a feeling you ladies that have taught that maybe recently and taught some of our kids could. I know that I could if I could think of the song only fast enough in my head. But we may save that for a future time. But why is it? Why is it that we should worry about these things or consider them? A few passages for you to think about. Well, we'll get to a few passages this morning. But I wanted to, to say it this way. When we think about the things that we should know about the Bible or the things that we study, you could say that you don't have to pass a quiz to get to heaven, right? To be with God for all eternity. Now, we might could quibble about the way that's worded and somebody might say, well, in a sense you do, right? We do have to give an account for everything that we do here in this life. And that's true. We do have to, to answer for our actions. And so a sense, in a sense, every time that we come up to a decision, it's kind of like a quiz. 
Again, this morning in our class, we've been talking about James. We talked about James 3 in the tongue. So we were talking about various situations, whether it's lying or gossip or slander or foul language and, and cuss words, we might say. But every time you come up to a moment with how you use your tongue or your words, it's almost like a, a quiz. But at the same time, you don't stand before God and God's not going to say, well, here's the 100 question quiz and you've got to get 85% right in order to get to heaven, right? That's not how it works. You don't have to pass a quiz, but you do have to know his will. And even as I finished this PowerPoint and I was kind of thinking, I do want you to add in if you're making notes, you do also have to obey his will. I don't want to leave that hanging and maybe un un misunderstood by someone. You don't have to pass a quiz, but you do have to know his will. We don't just stumble through this life and wake up one morning or, or pass away or the Lord returns and it's like, well, I've just kind of stumbled into heaven. You know, it's just kind of happened by accident. Again, you don't have to have facts memorized. And, and as I think about that, I think about the Bible Bowl with our kids, right? We've, been, we've started studying Bible Bowl again, those books, in particular Ezra and Nehemiah right now. But so we're challenging them to memorize some things. We're challenging them to focus in on some facts. And it's not like that. But you do have to know His will. You can't worship something else or someone else or be like the demons and the devil who believe and that be it. You've got to know his will, and you've got to obey his will. And can I suggest for you this morning that if you want to know his will, then you also have to know his word. Why is it worth our time and our thoughts to consider these things, especially these Old Testament things? Because if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be found faithful, you have to know his will, and in order to know his will, you have to know his word. We live in the Christian dispensation. We live in the Christian age. We do not have to offer sacrifices. We do not have to keep the law, and we are thankful for that. At the same time, though, those things are a benefit to us, and it helps us to know and to understand them. So again, as I said a moment ago, a few passages for you to consider this morning. First of all, in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. You know, it's interesting that Paul is one who certainly emphasizes this. Some of the passages we're going to mention, or two of the ones in particular, come from Paul. And Paul is writing to Christians. In particular, he's writing to Christians here at Rome. And he says, For whatever things were written before, before this moment in time, as he's write, writing right now, and maybe even certainly in a larger sense, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. These things that were written of old, I don't know what version you have in front of you, but it may look different or read different, but those things that were before were written for our learning that we might have hope. I think I have said it, shared with you before that Hannah's grandmother on her mom's side, Wanda Hennessy, many of you know Miss Wanda, but she has always done a great job of writing down historical facts about the family. She's got a lot of them written down. They've made copies for us before, for the grandchildren that they could have. And it's wonderful to be able to pass those things on. And some of you may do that, and it's encouraging. Uh, and some of you may not, but you have those good memories. But it's helpful for us to be able to look back and not just misremember things or not just have multiple versions. Have you ever studied criminal justice in the court system and things like that? An eyewitness is great quite often. But also, when you've got five eyewitnesses, you're probably going to get five different accounts. Maybe not that person A shot person B, 
but maybe the clothes they were wearing, how tall they were, how light or dark it was, you get varying accounts. When someone writes down exactly what happened, and as we think about with Scripture, it's written down by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't just say, well, this is what I remember, but these things that were inspired by the Holy Spirit were written for our learning that we might have hope. Have you ever studied Abraham before and gained any hope? Have you ever studied Moses before and gained any hope? David, Daniel, Saul, Solomon, Rahab, Deborah, anybody. Have you ever studied any of these people and found some kind of hope? Do we know that one thing that hasn't changed over the course of time is that human beings are human beings. Human beings mess up. And I'm thankful to look back at someone like David. I had to write an article just the past few weeks for the truth publication that we put out sometimes and it was on lessons from the life of King David and it really struck me trying to trying to bring down to one sheet of paper the lessons from the life of David do you know or remember that there's a lot of encouraging lessons from David there really are about fighting Goliath about doing things for God about being humble but there's also right there in the middle that awful awful story about how far sin will take you when does he not only commit adultery with Bathsheba but then also has her husband killed, and so on and so forth. Because sin never gives what it promises. I'm thankful that David went through that so that I can learn from that. Unfortunately, I also have to go through it sometimes, but it does give me hope. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 11. He says, now all these things, and if you have your Bible, maybe turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, I ask you to turn there because I constantly preach context, 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 right? We're always talking about that. So when you read this particular verse, you've got to understand what he means by all these examples. Well, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the, the title in my Bible says Old Testament examples. But if you've started turning there and looking down through there, here's the thing. These are not good ones. These are not encouraging. In fact, right before verse 11, what Paul is talking about is those who have participated with lust, those who have committed sexual immorality, those who have done all of these awful things, including complaining, that's mentioned there. And Paul says, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. We studied some of Paul's epistles not too long ago in here on Wednesday night, and we asked the question, can you imagine if Paul had written about you? You know, there's a couple of times where he calls someone by name and he says, please encourage this person. Please help them to do better. What about the letter to the Corinthians, right? Both epistles to the Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. It's, there is said among you that there is a man who has his father's wife. I think everybody might have known who that was. And it's scary for us to think about if Paul could write about you and me today. But when he does write about someone, he reminds us that those things were written for our admonition. It's to help them fix their problems, absolutely, but it's to help us learn and to see. And so as we begin this series and we start thinking about everyone that's gone on before us, as we say, then we can think about some lessons that we can learn. You know, it's very, very sad. I hate when we lose folks here. Even in the last couple of weeks as we lost some of our shut-ins, folks that I hadn't even got to know that well, 
as we had our lesson last Sunday afternoon about the last year, we talked about those who had passed away, great examples of people whom we love dearly. It, it's sad, but it's encouraging. I was thinking as Don was reading off the names this morning, and some of you knew Brother Dan and some of you didn't, but, but even others that we mentioned here, it's completely and totally different when someone is a faithful child of God. It's a hole in our lives that's a void, but we also have great memories of someone who did great things that is written for our admonition. I want to ask you to turn to one more passage, and that's Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're obviously not going to read the whole thing, and I don't have to for many of you because you're familiar with a lot of the things that are there. When Paul writes these things, like these things that were written aforetime are written for our learning. When he writes that they're written for our admonition, we also talked about this on Wednesday night in our auditorium class. We said, as our author of our book, Lance Mosier, mentioned, that many times when we sin, what we're doing is we're saying to God, I've heard your way, but I'm going to try my way. That's what all these people have done. Now, as you look at Hebrews chapter 11, most of them have done good things, right? There's, of course, some, maybe some things mentioned in there that are not the best. But faithful Abraham is mentioned, of course. Faithful Moses is mentioned, of course. But let me remind you to turn and look beginning at verse number 30. Have you ever tried to memorize or talk about those names? In verses 30 through 40, the end of the chapter, there are so many things that are mentioned there that we don't have time to get into. Those things are written for our admonition. Those things are written for our learning that we might have hope. There's some things there that are encouraging, people who did good things. There are some things in verses 30 through 40 that are terrifying, that are scary. People who were sawn in too. We always say that we're thankful for a country where that doesn't happen. We also started saying more that we hope we don't live in a country where that might not be the case soon. And it may never be the case that we go that far, but persecutions may be on the, horizons, on the horizon more than we've ever faced before. But Hebrews chapter 11 is written for our admonition and our encouragement that we can see what folks have done and we can take comfort knowing that we can do the same and receive a reward. But as you've turned there, I want to give you Hebrews chapter 12, right? It's broken up in our Bible by man for verses and for chapters. But in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1, the Hebrew writer says something that's meant to encourage us and continue the thought. Because he says what? Therefore, right? All of these people that we've just mentioned, go back to verse 39 of chapter 11, all these who have obtained a good testimony, they get a passing grade. They've done what they should. They've been faithful both in faith and also in works. But therefore, because of this, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Can I emphasize again for you here on the screen? Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. When I think about this idea of those who have gone on from Saudi, those who have gone on of your family, some of you have family who weren't members here, but you have family who were faithful Christians. And when you think about those even in Hebrews chapter 11, who encourage us by what they did. We don't have time this morning, but I think many people suggest this doesn't necessarily uh, suggest the idea that these folks are watching on us or have any kind of impact on what's happening on earth. But at the same time, we have these witnesses by what we can read about how they acted, how they behaved, and how faithful they were. 
You know, this is one of those verses that gets kind of long, and we, it helps us sometimes when we condense it just a little bit. So I tried here. Therefore, because of the things we just read in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, and let us run the race. That's our challenge. Lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin, and run the race. That's the challenge that lies before us. We are starting a new year, and God be willing, we'll be blessed with another year of life here on this earth. And we think about those challenges. But as we even think about the year, we think about our lives. We're not promised tomorrow, but we're thankful for the time that we have. And as we look back, we need to always be encouraged. And I hope that you'll be encouraged through this series and not embarrassed. The goal is not to try to bring up obscure things that you've never heard of. The goal is not to bore you with things some of you already know, but to remind ourselves about some of these great people and exactly what they did and how it benefits us. You've heard lessons like that your whole life, but hopefully you'll be encouraged by this series as well. When you think about some of those things, maybe some of you are in a position where you say, you know, I didn't go from the time that I was knee high, and, and I feel like I've missed out on some of these people. I feel like I've missed out on some of these lessons. And even though I know the name Abraham, I've forgotten exactly what all's included in his story. And we hope to think about some of those things and encourage you with that as we go through this year. If you have any thoughts or ideas or suggestions, that's fine. I, I don't mind to take them. As I said, I've still been kind of trying to map out exactly the best way to work through these things. But it's a catch-up, maybe, for some of us. For others, it's a reminder to think about exactly what happened so that we, cannot so that we don't have to make the same mistakes that they made. That we can be found faithful. It's not through sacrifices like they did. But God said from the very beginning, here's how you need to be obedient. Here's how you can be found faithful. You do what I say. It may have changed over the course of time, but he's always had a will, and we know it by working through his word and studying his word. It's why we've taken a Sunday, each one Sunday a month since I've been here, and tried to work through a book of the month. You know, I was kind of laughing as I was thinking about this afternoon's lesson. We're supposed to cover Habakkuk. I don't think most of you woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to learn about Habakkuk, right? Because that's just not the way we feel about these prophets who are short and small in their length of the book, and we're not sure about them, and it just we usually blow right by it and don't even think about it. But as I was studying Habakkuk, I was reminded about some good stories that are there, even for us as Christians today. So we hope you'll be back with us this afternoon. We hope that you'll be back with us any chance that you have an opportunity with any lesson, but certainly as we think about catching up in the new year. As we conclude this lesson, we extend heaven's invitation. As we said, heaven's invitation is different as we think about the Old Testament and the New Testament. We don't have to worry about sacrifices, but we do need to be obedient. God told them to offer sacrifices. He told them how to be acceptable. They were to do it. God has told us in speaking through his son that we need to be obedient through the gospel plan of salvation. If you're here this day and you've never obeyed the plan of salvation which, by the way, is beautiful because it shows us how we can participate with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. If you see a slide like this and you're unsure what it says or what it means, ask us a question, please. We'd love to talk with you about it, to study it with you as soon as possible because it is the greatest decision a person can make here on this earth. When we talk about resolutions, we talk about losing weight, about trying to gain knowledge or to save money, all those things are fine. But becoming a Christian is the most important thing a person can do. And we would love to help you with that. Being baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that, but you've struggled to remain faithful. Guess what? That might be the theme of the Old Testament. Struggling at times to remain faithful. Maybe that's the lesson that we can learn. And what we see is sometimes they came back to God in the way that he told them to in the Old Testament. But we have an opportunity through even the verses that are mentioned on the screen here to walk in the light. We have an opportunity because we're still here right now this morning to confess our sins, to repent and pray. And we hope that if you've struggled to remain faithful or there's sin in your life that you'd like forgiveness of, that you might come forward in a moment during the singing of this song. One of our elders will be here to receive you and pray with you and for you. But we hope that you'd be willing to make a change, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to him as we stand together and as we sing.